happening? It's Corey Parker. You're listening to The Upper Room with Joe Kelly. Peace. And that's an album I have been digging heavily for the past few weeks when I first uh, ran into our next guest over at Toad's Place in New Haven, Connecticut. And uh, what a great show he was a part of in New Haven, Connecticut just about a few weeks ago. Corey Parker, the new CD, independent release. And it's kind of what this show here is about here on The Upper Room with Joe Kelly. Mix of uh, hip-hop, funk, blues, jazz. And uh, we welcome right now to The Upper Room with Joe Kelly, Mr. Corey Parker. How are you doing, Corey? Yeah, it's fine. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great and, and great to have you on the show and Thanks, thanks for the music. Hey, thanks for uh, everything. Did you ever uh, tell anybody how how we met? Like you were just sitting there and just kind of, you know, I thought it was pretty cool that you came up to just, you know, kind of came to me and <clears throat> asked about the record, asked about my CD, and, and that you were so interested. I think so. I should be thanking you. Well, well, I'd been keeping tabs. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, the band. You know, Maceo Parker band, of course, your father and yourself. Um, and, you know, checking out your website prior to the show, you know, I said, man, I got to have the CD and, you know, have you on the show and support what you got going on. Cool. Appreciate that. How long have you been doing that? I've been, uh, been so into like the independent, uh, well, I'll tell you, I started 20 years ago here at the same okay. station then went into uh commercial radio and then just, you know, been doing it for a while, yeah. uh, the independent you know, at least the last 10 years. Yeah, we need more people like you. <laughs> yeah, because it, it is, I, I wanted to ask you, you know, coming from uh, the independent world and getting this out, how tough is it and, and what's working for you with uh, some liminal souls? Well, um, having, having been doing it all myself, it's been kind of slow going. But, um, I don't know, I seem to be getting more joy out of it, just the, the freedom. Um, as far as uh, um, radio or uh, press and stuff like that, that's pretty slow going. Um, but you know, um, you meet people here and there like you, and and people kind of admire the fact that it's, that I am doing it independently. I haven't even really like, I guess, in the, the sense of the word, like shopped it. You know, I haven't really gone to approach any major labels, anybody like that. Um, I don't know. I just want to. I just want to do it like this for now. It just, just feels right. Uh, um, you hear so many stories about, especially with Prince. My father works with Prince. A lot. Yeah, right. Sure. And uh, one man label, and I'm, and I'm also the artist on my label. So, you know, I just want to get a feel for the whole entire business because uh, some things that I've been doing. Um, like trying to, you know, just, just booking my own shows and stuff like that. Stuff I never even thought about, you know. I, I never even, you know, as an artist, you just think about the music and making the music, and that's it. But doing it this way, I've kind of, like, you know, started looking at, you know, things from other perspectives, like, you know, press and radio and, you know, booking gigs and all that kind of stuff. So it's slow going, but it's beneficial, I think. So how tough is it to to book gigs down in, down in your area? Um, the venues down there. We we I live in Raleigh, North Carolina, and um, it, it's it's an okay music scene, but but there aren't. Well, there's Cat's Cradle. There, 
for for me, for me, size wise, um, now I guess the the smaller places are good or better. I mean, that that's what I'd be playing where I'd be playing anyway. But Raleigh has kind of like small venues and then large venues. They don't really have like the in between venues, like the size venue, like Toad's Place, for example. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we have pretty small places, uh, like maybe 150, 200 type capacity places, and then the big, huge Coliseum. You know, right. and not many, you know, eight, six to eight hundred, you know, size places. Um, so, sounds like the problems around here. Oh, really? Is that yeah, the same in that yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that's another reason why the, the Maceo Parker Band. We probably, I think we've done, we've done that area twice in the past seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, you know, it's a booming college area. Um, well, the, with the city. Actually, the biggest city in in Connecticut, where I'm from, is Bridgeport, Connecticut, and yeah. and they're working. They have the big new arena, but you know the clubs that would, you know, be could hold groups like yourself and, and your pops band. We need to get those kind of places. Right. We, yeah. Right. Um, some college, some towns that we go to have like uh, a lot of places in in uh, um, Colorado. A few places in Colorado have some really good medium sized venues. Um, but I guess we don't we don't have that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're getting there, I think. Um, it's a lot a, of people moving into the area and stuff, so we're getting there. And, you, and you're still a young cat, so there, there's a lot of lot of room to make some headway with that, right? Yeah, hopefully, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're taking a little break from um, work working on on tour with the Maceo Parker Band, but uh, why don't you uh, let our listeners know about how you got into recording your own solo project and as far as squeezing the time in and working with your brother and how, yeah, that how did was, it come about? That was pretty interesting. Uh, well, I guess I got to first start back in 95 when I was working with, uh, when I first started working with my father. I had always kind of written stuff on the side or um, even if it was just a sentence or a line or a word that I liked or something, I'd write it, you know, started scribbling down stuff in between tours or while on tour on the bus or whatever. So, uh, I guess maybe t- two years ago, maybe after me, not into Franco, it, it, that's, it really kind of like motivated me to hear her story. Um, we toured with her in 98. The Mason Parker Band opened for her, and after I found out, you know, that she, the way she started, and she was, uh, you know, small and in coffee houses, you know, just doing her, her thing, her, um, you know, just heard her guitar, and she said people would ask, you know, if she had any of that stuff recorded, any of the songs that she sang, and uh, and she said no, you know, but they uh-huh. they wanted you know to buy it, so she just kind of did it herself, and I. I think she actually did go to record companies at the beginning and kind of try to get signed or whatever, and they they turned her down. And now look at her, you know. Yeah, um, right. Her own label. And... So um, after meeting her and 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 hearing her story and seeing how you know how how liberated she is, how she can I mean she can pick and choose pretty much her own projects, you know. Um, um, she can put out a record when she likes. She can, she can, you know, put whatever you know on the record. You know, she she has total 
creative control. That's what I like. Um, so after meeting her, I just said, "Wow, you know." Um, that's when I first I first got the idea. So uh, after you know a few years with my father, I kind of started meeting people who were kind of interested in me and kind of you know they were digging my part of the show and you know and I started an email list. Um, I had a little web page at first, like through the uh, AOL thing. You know, AOL gives you a web page or something. Oh yeah, I did one of those too. Yeah, yeah. I, I started out with one of those, and uh, you know, started a mail email list, and it kind of grew. And then a lot, you know, well not a lot at first, but people would ask, you know, do you plan to ever do your own album, or whatever. And uh, so the more uh, interest I got, I guess, the more people and. Okay, on on tour and on the road throughout all this time, I'm still I was still creating stuff, music, songs, just um, I don't know, just for whenever, you know, just whenever the time was right, I would have these songs done. So um, uh, I don't know, time. I guess I just said to myself, okay, this is it, you know, you're gonna have this done before uh, New Year's. Um, actually, we had a gig. We had three or four gigs leading up to New Year's 2001. 2001 going into 2002, right. So uh, I just made a deadline for myself and said I had to have it recorded and had to, because I kept kind of, you know, we'd go in the studio for a week or two and do some stuff and then I'd go out on the road and I, I don't know, it, it just got longer and longer and longer so I just, you know, put my foot down and said, okay, you know, we're going to get it done. And this is, the result is subliminal souls. And we should let our listeners know uh, a couple places they can head to right now, even when they're listening to it right now. Uh, you can go to coreyparker.net, C-O-R-E-Y, parker.net. And it's also available for purchase at cdstreet.com. And uh, definitely support an independent release is solid. Uh, I've been playing it all the time, so i got to thank you, regardless of doing a radio show. I just enjoy, you know, listening to your music. So, yeah. Well, why don't we get into a, a track from, from uh, the CD, Subliminal Souls. Uh, I Want to Know, which really showcases, you know, you're coming with the, the hip-hop and the rap and also great, great singing. So do, do you find the blend, uh, you, you know, that's one of the assets as a performer yourself? Yeah, I wanted to. That's exactly what I was getting at with that song in particular. Uh, I did want to... That's one thing that I don't do... A, a lot on stage with my father, and I wanted to show that I could sing a little bit. It, I think it kind of, uh, kind of adds a twist to the whole thing that you know a lot of a lot of uh, songs these days that do incorporate hip hop and kind of R and B will have like a, a, a the chorus or a, a hook or something that's being sung, but not many of the same people that sing the thing sing the hook are also the guy or the girl rapping. You know, so. I thought it'd be kind of cool to uh, to do both, to be able to you know sing sing the hooks and also rap you know during the verses. So, uh, and you're doing great. That's what I wanted to yeah. accomplish with that song. Appreciate that. So uh, we're gonna get into it right now. Corey Parker is my special guest. Subliminal Soul, it's out and definitely available. And go to coreyparker.net to find out all the information on purchasing it. Uh, right on the page, right there, you can listen to samples and also uh, order it directly from. Uh, Corey Parker set up there. All right. We'll talk more with Corey, but right now, this is 
I Want to Know, Corey Parker. We're going to get into I Want to Know from Corey Parker's Subliminal Souls, but that was I Want to Know. No, it was Make It Right. Hey, Corey, I'm going to get it straight. (laughs) But that was uh, Make It Right and and a great song. It's Monday, so it's Yeah, that's right. (laughs) But, uh, you know, that also features uh, the... uh, sweetening with your uh, father Maceo Parker on it and and I was reading something about you had the track all done and, and gave it to your father and said hey do something on it well you want it? he uh we my brother and I um my brother who wrote His Damon of, right yes he yeah. wrote the music for that for all the songs except for uh um I can't remember the number except for Funkgasm um the Jazzy thing which is number 11 and the um, oh, and Pump Your Fist. I wrote, I did all the music and words for Pump Your Fist, but he did all the music for all the rest of them. Um, yeah, we had that track done, and I didn't even know if my father was going to do something on the CD because, you know, I didn't know if he was going to be in town or, and I, I wasn't really on a timetable. But you know, when it was done, it's done. You know, so and if he couldn't, you know, if he wasn't around at the time, then, you know and we just have to get him for the next one. But uh, I didn't want to put him, I didn't want to ask him to be on something that, you know, like a funk track that he, you know, that he had been doing all of his life. I wanted, And I, I didn't want it to be, I didn't want it to be a typical Maceo sounding song. Um, and so when we were kind of, you know, fooling around with this one, I was like, hmm, like, you know, it might be kind of interesting. Plus we had a solo we we had a spot for a solo in it and didn't really know what what instrument or who we wanted you know to do or what we wanted to do in that part. I was like, let's let's try let's try uh, shut dad on this one. And, uh, yeah, it came out real nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was uh, you know, he wanted to go back and do it over, and it was it was it was it was, was kind of cool seeing him in the studio like that. He, my father, I'm talking about now. Right, right. You know, he was. You know, I'm I'm fine with his first takes, you know, but he was like, nah, you know, he came back and he, you know, played something on the piano and get his horn and, you know, then he, you know, yeah, okay, let's record the last part. I'm like, cool. If you want to, you want to do it over, cool. You know, if you if you want to do it better, cool. You know, he was, he really took it seriously, you know, and and and, you know, I mean, the product was the end result was Maceo, of course, you know, so, but it was cool. It turned out really really cool. We were talking about uh, going the premiere concert down south uh, with your band, and uh, it turned out really well, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I had started the story about uh, how we hadn't had we only had like maybe three or four rehearsals before we were before the gig, and uh, a week prior to the gig, leading right up to the day before the gig, I had to leave home and go on the road with the Mason Parker band. So, like, there wasn't that. There was a sense of not being quite that ready, <laughs> so um, you know, I, I went into and I wasn't too sure about the turnout, what the turnout would be. Um, a place called Peasants Cafe in, Dur- in uh, Greenville, North Carolina, but it turned out great, man. The people, it was packed, and uh, the only thing, one of the funny things that happened was uh, the guy. I had a set list plan and okay. like an encore break plan, and then. Um, we're going to come back after the encore break and do two more songs. And uh, the st- when I got there, the stage manager said, "Okay, we normally play, uh, normally do like 45 minutes or something, and then like have a 15 or 20 minute break, and 
and do, you know, you can play until 2 o'clock or something. So I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, they kind of had a built-in a house rule kind of set break built in. So uh, are you still there? Oh, still here. Okay. And uh, so I was like, okay, so we'll play like the first four or five songs, whatever. And then we just stop. And he said, cool. So, <laughs> So you're you're definitely you got you got a gig coming up down south uh, with your own band, right? In May. Yeah, I got a gig at a place called the Cave in Chapel Hill on May 12th. Okay. But to cover those forty those first forty five minutes, we were only supposed to do like four songs, but uh-huh. we ended up doing like almost every song on our set. So so you showcase primarily the the album. We played every song from the album. Oh, great, great. But um, it they, it was too short. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we uh we just had to make stuff up on stage. We actually went on and after the encore break, I said I said to the guys that we needed more we need we needed to play like worth of something that's not on the set list. Okay. So I said let's just do a groove in in I forgot what, we did actually two grooves, but it turned out to be part of the funkiest things in the show. Like so just an ad lib groove in C or whatever or D or you know, pick a key. And, uh, yeah, and I just made up words right there on stage, and they just made up, you know, just played a groove in D. And, and like, we just did that for, like, you know, 10 minutes or 10 or 15 minutes or whatever. And uh, um, that's when I was kind of happy with the band. I was like, okay, I, d- I didn't know. Like, we had never been put in that situation. Everything that we had played before then was just, you know, were songs from the CD. Mm-hmm. You know, but that was, that, that, that pleased me that, uh, we were able to do that. We've got to get your band up here. Uh, if you're if you're ever back in Connecticut, I started last week a concert series, live concerts right outside the studio here. Really? And, and that kicked off last Monday. So hey, a- anytime you're you're up here and you know got the band rolling with you, that would be something. Cool. Yeah. 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 I did, I'll. Uh, Came out real nice on radio too. So I'm sure your band and yourself would be kicking too. I'll let you know. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, you've been uh, growing up. Uh, of course, with Maceo Parker's band, and uh, how you know you formed your own band. How did you work on selecting musicians, and how how do, do you see yourself rehearsing it? Do you take some from your father? It's going to be a little different. Um, it's going to be different, yeah. Right. But I I took man almost everything from him, everything that I could. Right. Being on stage was like having a you know front row to to a genius. Yeah, I was yeah. I, you know I absorbed everything. Right. Um, he, my father. I, we haven't gotten to this point yet because we don't, we don't have uh, like everybody in our band kind of has the same um, um, funk catalog, if you will. They okay. know pretty much like all the funk tunes that that have ever been written, kind of. So my father can kind of turn around and say, "Play whatever," you know, and and they'll know it. Um, I kind of looked for that when I was looking for musicians. I didn't. I didn't say that I'm Maceo Parker's son and I'm putting together a band. Right. Um, I wanted people who who just wanted to play because they wanted to play, and just because they love the music. I didn't want to. I didn't want to say uh, anything about you know my father or that you know we'd be touring or you know you, you know you, you have the potential to make money or whatever. I wanted people who just love to play um, because I didn't want you know. Uh, you gotta have love, you know. You gotta have the the love for the music is what matters. So uh, I just kind of advertised just like a regular, you know, in the, in the area papers, whatever, you know, local guy. I, I put singer, rapper, songwriter, 
you know, putting together a funk band. If you're interested, call or email, you know. Um, and the guys that I got, um, um, one of the guys I had to borrow from the guitar player, they actually borrowed from another band. So I don't know if the band that I have now is actually going to be the For band. The, yeah. But, um, and people out there listening, this is WVOF in Fairfield, Connecticut. Joe Kelly and the Upper Room. My special guest is Corey Parker. Uh, CD is Subliminal Souls, and we've been digging it here on the Upper Room. And you can go to CoreyParker.net to uh, hear more of the samples. Why don't you wait until after the interview? But uh, you can you can order it right there and uh, help an independent artist out. It's it, it's just a great CD. And uh, why don't we move along to another track? Uh, pump your fist with uh, Ani DeFranco. You talked about working with her, and uh, how, how did you decide to work on this track with her? How did it come about? Um, I had written that song maybe in its entirety probably two or three years before I even had even heard of Ani DeFranco. But when we did the tour, I don't know how the tour came about, the Macy Parker Ani DeFranco tour, but. Um, after the first show, the first show that I saw her perform, she was saying a lot of, like, I knew nothing about her. I knew, you know, nothing about what she was about. I didn't know, you know, she was so socially political. I didn't know she was so outspoken. Um, but a lot of the things that she was talking about were things that I, you know, talk about and, and, and write about. And I found that interesting. And then later on, she asked me to... Uh, like after about the second or third show, she asked me to come on stage with her <clears throat> and just kind of freestyle uh, to a groove that, that she and her band were playing toward the end of one of her shows. So um, the tour was about a month. We got closer and closer. Just you know, She was just real, really, really cool. So uh, after, fast forward a year and a half when I'm ready to record. I Oh, and then after, after the tour, she asked me to record with her on one of her albums. Uh, album called a song called Swing on her To the Teeth album. Okay. Um, and so fast forward a year and a half, and I was ready, and I asked her, you know, if she wanted to be on my CD. And uh, I think the song, what I'm talking about in the song, I you know talk about the, the right to choose. You know, it was amazing because she talks about that all the time, and I right. you know. Just stuff like that. It was, it was kind of cool that, you know, I had written this song before I met her, but then after I met her, uh, you know, all, a lot of the issues in there that she talked about, you know, so I thought it would you know, just be a cool fit to have her on that song. And, it's you know, you, I read something you don't mind getting sociopolitical once in a while, right? Yeah, yeah. well, man, if I, if I got sociopolitical as much as I, <laughs> like, do when I'm just sitting around my friends, right. like, I, you know, I'd be a politician or something like right, everything right. would be coming out you know all of my songs would you know you know be something about yeah i think there, there's room for that but I, I do like to party and have fun sometimes too so you know i tried to you know cover those bases on the album i didn't want every song to come out you know like i'm just mad at, mad at yeah, the world right. or something you know well we'll get into it jump into it right now this is uh cory parker along with ani defranco pump your fist and uh from subliminal souls we'll come back and cory parker is my special guest yeah, if you're feeling that pump your fist from cory parker and ani defranco cory parker's new cd is available at this moment right now you can go to coryparker.net to uh 
hear songs like that and order that up and great mix of hip-hop, R&B, funk, rock. You like just about everything out there, right? Yeah. Um, having a father in the business, man, he, you know, when he came, came home or comes home off the road, still now, but especially when we were growing up, he'd listen to, you know, everything. Uh, big band, Nat King Cole, um, He's a, probably the biggest Ray Charles fan in the world. Um, so I guess, I guess having all... And then when I grew up, I was in marching band and jazz and symphonic band. So we played, you know, in marching band, we played a lot of Latin stuff with, you know, trumpet solo. I played trumpet. Um, and then, uh, like, in jazz and symphonic band, we play, you know, try to play Count Basie stuff or... Uh, or uh, um, just a wide array of stuff. So now that I have the chance to actually record my own music, like I guess I never thought about what I would record, but then when I started thinking about it, just all of the, I guess all of those, <clears throat> you know, the musical influences from from my past just kind of, you know, took over, you know. So that's how you get, you know, the rock. Plus, a lot of it, a lot of times I, um, whatever I'm, it all depends on the message I'm trying to get across. Or if I'm trying to get across a message, and if so, what the message is, that that kind of dictates also sometimes what I use, uh, what type of style the song would be. Because I'm talking about stuff that's so poignant in the rock song, I think it almost had to be rock, or like a really hard rap song. But um, you can get kind of the same effect with a hard rock song. And I kind of wanted the dichotomy too also, like you know, rap and rock. Like rock music, but rap, rap lyrics. You know. How about touring? Uh, you know, you toured all over this world. Uh, as far as buying new music and getting a chance to listen to it, what have you uh, been picking up on, on your travels? The last, let's see. I think the last CD that I bought, I haven't bought CDs in a while. I lost my whole entire CD case and CD and everything in a hotel room somewhere. Oh man! Like about thirty-five CDs. That'll crush you, right? Yeah. So, so it's it's been a while since I bought any. Um, that and that happened a few months. That happened over New Year's, I think, and I haven't bought it, a CD since then. Now, now, who were the suspects in the band for uh, possible theft? No, actually, it was my fault. <laughs> I left it in the hotel somewhere. Okay, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> but the last CD that I bought that I used to play a lot. Um, before then was common. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that song he does with Badu, Erica Badu. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I tried. I tried not to. Um, I listened to hip hop, but uh, especially when I was writing the album, I tried not to purposely listen to a lot um, because I didn't want possibly to be influenced by anybody's sound or style or. Um, because. Not saying that I would have done it purposely, but even I, I think sometimes if you listen to somebody so much, you you get influenced by them, even if you're not trying to, you know. And it might, you know, I don't want anything to come up sounding like somebody else's. Um, so I listen to a a lot of like non. I listen to a lot of Rochelle Pharrell. Mm-hmm. Um, what's in my CD player now? Yeah, Rochelle Pharrell's in there. Um, I think like an old school funk um, compilation disc. It's not like maybe some old James Brown and Bootsy. Yeah, it's like a Bootsy uh, live 
79 concert in Louisville. Um, uh, That's a double soul scene. Chow. Oh, yeah. Actually, right. I think that might have been one of the ones that got, well, that I left in a hotel room. But, um, and uh, I think it might be like a Count Basie orchestra in there. <laughs> and Take Six, believe it or not. I'm a big Take Six fan. Oh, yeah. J- J.D. Blair was on uh, recently, and he- he's going on tour with him drumming, so. Yeah. How how about uh you know before before uh, I forget I have to give you compliments on one concert highlight in probably the last five years I caught you guys up at the Montreal Jazz Festival, right? Yeah. And, and my wife's from there. And was that, that outdoor? That that was the indoor. You guys played uh, Metropolis. I okay. think. Okay. Yeah. That was yeah. like a four-hour show, and it was so hot for you guys on stage with the big fans. Do you yeah. remember that one? Yeah. And Martha had the the bad foot and everything. Yeah. Yeah. That outstanding concert. Thank yeah. you. Appreciate that. So you were just up there visiting, or uh... well, my wife's originally from Montreal, and then every uh, every year we go up there for the uh, jazz festival okay. for about a week. So cool. we caught you guys, and wow, it was great. Saw Prince up there last year for the jazz festival. So I love that town. Yeah, I love hanging out up there in Montreal. How, how was it at Paisley Park? Because I know we talked off air a little bit about uh, you you grooving with Prince uh, on stage. How was how it up there? He um he came. Well, before that, he he came to one of the shows on the Ani, on the Maceo Ani tour um, when he was recording his uh, what album was that? Raven to the Joy Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he wanted Ani and he wanted Maceo to be on on that CD. So he came to we played Minneapolis, and he came to the show and just like, stood on the side of the stage for the whole show. Uh, you know, just kind of just hanging out, uh, and that. It just so happened that we had two nights off after that. Um, so Ani and my father stayed in Minneapolis, but I couldn't miss that opportunity, so I stayed with him. Right, right. And, you know, and the rest of the band, you know, at the next gig was a couple of days later in Denver, Colorado or something, so they drove down. But I stayed up, and uh, that night, it was, I think, it was like July 4th, because I remember he... he he had some kind of, he was calling it, you know, he calls everything a celebration. He doesn't really, like, celebrate, like, holidays, like, birthdays and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. So he would just say, come over for a celebration, you know, or just, you know. Actually, what it is, just an opportunity for him to have a jam session. Right. You know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he, they, the people at Paisley contacted my father's manager or whatever and said they, they were jamming at Paisley Park. I was just going to watch. I didn't even have any intentions of, you know, you know, participating. His band was there. Prince was there. My father was there. Uh, Larry Graham was there, but he wasn't playing. Um, and then I was there. Ani's keyboard player was there, and uh, my father's manager was there. And that's it. And we were. They were. He had the whole entire stage set up, and he was on. You know, we would. It was like giving the show, but just. You know, with three people there and the people on stage, and uh, he kind of just motioned. He, he, I was just kind of standing like in the audience area, and Prince motioned to me to come on stage and pointed at the microphone. So, you know, I just went on stage and went to the microphone. There you go. <laughs> you know, um, but then uh, the next day, or either earlier that day or whatever, is when they actually recorded. And uh, to be like in the sound room with him. Or just to be anywhere in the same room with him, but especially when he's cre- like I was there when he was playing the keyboard to play the bass line for one of the songs or whatever. 
for one of the songs on his CD, uh, Pretty Man. That's the song my father's on. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. Um, and just to be there to see him create was, was like, I could just feel, like, energy. You know, like, just being in there was, was, was amazing. Yeah, like, to have him, you know, just, I don't know. It was like, to, he opened the door for, for, for to me, to be able to come in there and just hang out, that was, I thought that was cool. You know, he could have said, no, nah, I don't necessarily want your, you know, Maceo's son in here hanging out while we're trying to record or whatever, you know. But he was cool about it and everything was cool. You know? So so he, here's my early push. I know I know maybe it could be done. You know he's throwing that celebration? Right, on 21st? Yeah, of June. Right. And I guess he's going to play every night. Why not the Corey Parker band opening up? <laughs> Come on, man! That yeah, uh, actually, I think the Mayfield Parker Band is. Oh, okay. It's well, going to be. I don't know about every. I think one of those nights we right. might be. So there you go. Um. So I, so I'll be there, but uh, um, that would be great. Um, Maybe you can let your dad slip in hip hop check for at least part of the set. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're. Uh, he he asked, he's been asking me which um, which one of my songs I want to do on his set. Mm-hmm. But um, we haven't been we haven't done so many gigs this year so far, so we haven't uh, we haven't uh, incorporated any of my songs into the set yet. But I don't know if I'm supposed to be letting this out of the bag. Uh, well, you didn't say definitively. You just said well. No, I'm, I'm getting ready to say something. I'll, I'll let it out of the bag anyway. Okay. This summer we're touring Europe mm-hmm. for a couple of months, like a month and a half, or maybe, and part of it. But you didn't hear that from me. No, but no. I, yeah, I don't think they. Uh, I don't think they've advertised that yet. So. <laughs> that was just some straight thoughts that we threw out. There right. you go. So uh, we're going to delve into another cut off the record. Uh, Subliminal Souls. Corey Parker is my guest right here on the Upper Room with Joe Kelly, and uh, it's time to bob the heads. Cool. <laughs> Hip hop check, right? <laughs> Yep, that's what that song is all about. So, uh, if, so if you're in your car right now, it's time to turn it up a couple notches and jack the system. And yeah, this this is a nice track. Yeah, that's uh, we use Skeet um, from P Funk, the right. bass player, and uh, Rodney Skeet Curtis, and the guitarist for my father's band, also Bruno Spate from SOS Band. Yeah, man, back. it got so funky yeah. in the studio. Whew. All right, this is it. Corey Parker is my guest. He'll be back to talk a little more, and then we'll get in some more tracks. But uh, this is Hip Hop Check. <laughs> and that is the great sounds of Mr. Corey Parker, my special guest, and he's been my guest here for the first hour. We're going to talk a few minutes more. And uh, you, you still bob your neck on that one, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you really like that one. Oh, we we were trying trying to control ourselves in the studio on that one. All right, that was... That's when it started coming together, actually. When uh, for a while we always thought that was our best song, but then we, what we tried, to, my brother and I tried to do is always like make the next song better than what we always always already thought was the best song. You know? So so let let's uh, give some respect to your brother, your, Damon, right? Yes, Damon. Parker. Damon, right? And he goes on tour. Was he working the concession? Uh, the... He did then okay. uh, that week, but that's yeah. not what he does. He um. The guy that normally does that wasn't there for those few days, uh, so my father just asked him if he wanted to come out and do it, and he said, "Yeah." Uh, and it just so happened that that was during that week that my band 
um, was at home. Like we we had the gig coming up, so I kind of wanted him to stay at home so maybe he could run. I have a rehearsal or two, <laughs> right? With the band, with my band before you know our gig, but uh, it turned out fine. But yeah, he came out and did uh, work at, over at the merchandise counter, or yeah. he kind of stood at the merchandise counter. Right. <laughs> the brothers always ribbing each other, right? Yeah. Always. Yeah. Always. Yeah. He's not here to to to, to defend, defend himself. himself. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I'll take it easy on him this time. So so besides you know going on tour, which man, you've done a lot of dates, but um, and and your own project, getting that together. What, what do you like to do besides music? Nothing. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> hey, you're honest. Right? <laughs> no, I uh, I'm I'm a big sports fan. I'm a big football fan. Um, right. Who, who's your team? Tampa Bay. But we're we're going through some changes right now. So I'll I'll see. Uh, I kind of well, I grew up in North Carolina, so we didn't really have a team for a, a while. So uh, I grew up a Dallas Cowboys fan. I know. Go ahead. Oh Houston man! Boo. Yeah, I know. I knew it was coming. I'm a New York Giant fan. So. I knew. I, I knew it was coming. But, <laughs> but after Dallas did what they did to to Tony Dorsett and Tom Landry, the way they, uh, like this guy was like the man in the hat. You know, this guy right. was Dallas, and he said he woke up and read a newspaper. That's how he found out he was fired. Oh, <laughs> I mean, that's Tom Landry. He was, a, you know, right, the coach for 30 years or whatever. You know, so and then Tony Dorsett was like my favorite player ever. So, and he, you know, something like that happened to him also the same way. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just kind of, I couldn't take it. You know, I, I, I even stopped watching football for a year. Wow. You know, I, I, boy, I was mad, man. So after that, I, I went to college football. I almost didn't even watch NFL anymore. I, I was just mad. So, so uh, a so lot of my college, favorite college players went to Tampa Bay. So that's how I started liking Tampa Bay. And you attended North Carolina State. Yeah. And, uh, How's the football team down there still? Uh, <laughs> getting better. We right. we we were good when I was there. Actually, we were we were we were consistently nationally ranked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, twenty fifteen twenty you know, around in that area. And then we we had a few years where we fell off. <laughs> um, but we got a new coach now. We got a coach from Florida State. One of the assistant, longtime assistant coaches from Florida State is the head coach at North Carolina State now. So we're, we're, yeah, I think we were ranked for a week or two this year, but uh, we're, we're on the way back. So we're on the so, lookout. So there's hope, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Hey, you know, the, the program down at Florida State, if you can get anything from any, you know, body. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. If you can get it from Florida State, that's one of the best places to go. So. Yeah, they've been monopolizing a lot of the talent. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So, right. you know, we're starting to get some of their recruits. As a matter of fact, um, for, for the first time in the, Five years. Um, some of our guys are going like pro in like first round you know, consistently now in the past couple of years. So like the talent level has gone up. The level of talent that we've gotten at NC State you know, has been increasing since this guy is there. So fine by me. And if you just tuned in, driving along or, or listening on the net or, or around town, my guest has been for the first hour, Mr. Corey Parker. And Corey Parker has a new CD out, Subliminal Souls, and definitely worth having. I, I've been playing it uh, on the shows and also also in my ride. And uh, Subliminal Souls, you can get it at CoreyParker.net. And very, very easy. Uh, the website is set up uh, to order right from there. 
and uh, cdstreet.com. Let me ask you, as an independent artist, uh, how do you go about deciding how to get it distributed and set it up like that? Do you, is, it, is it tough? No, that deciding or? no that's, that's one thing I love about the Internet. Um, what's her name? Courtney Love talking uh-huh. about this. Uh, and that's another big artist also who was kind of um, done wrong by, by, well, her side of the story anyway, you know, by record companies. So she was kind of, you know, kind of anti-record company and said, hey, if you can do it yourself, do it yourself. Um, But she said, um, um, in a perfect world, this was kind of her thinking and and it kind of had an impact on me. She said, in a perfect world, like imagine um, being able to have your music um, played for and and being able to be just, just, just exposed to, you know, everybody in the world. Um, just think of you know, think of the potential. She said, just think of, think of like you know, a billion people hearing your music, you know, and and that's what the internet enables you to do. Um, anybody with a computer anywhere could go to your website and you know and check it out. Um, and so all these little companies started springing up, um, like CD Street, and um, it's a it's a bunch of them, and uh, they offer different things some of them offer this but won't offer that or some of them uh, take this much but they you know they'll uh, help you record the cd or whatever you know uh, and you just kind of got to find the right one for you like uh, I, I had already uh, recorded my cd and i already had packaging and stuff like that so some of the uh, websites that offer all that stuff i didn't need so right um, you know so CD Street was the one for me, but no, it was it was a matter of actually I didn't even have to make a phone call. I uh, signed up online, and uh, the guys there are great, man. They they called me and, and they want to make sure that all of the artists are happy. You know, um, they 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 take care of packaging and shipping and all that stuff. I mean, they they take some of the money from the CD, but they take care of all of that stuff, and they they you know they are really on top of it. You know, they make sure, you know, everything is secure, online sales. They make sure, you know, you have enough inventory. If you don't, they give you a call or email or, you know, hey, your CDs are getting low or whatever, or maybe you should sell some stickers or, you know, if you know if you got some, send it to us. We'll be glad to sell them for you. You know, they're real helpful. So, you know. So, so it makes less of a worry when you're, you're on tour for a couple months stretch, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, because initially I was thinking of doing that too, but that 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 would have been a bit much. But they they do a great job. So, so Corey Car- Corey Parker has been my special guest, and, and just a pleasure to have you on the show. It's just, Thank you. Man, it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, we're going to be playing this all summer long. So uh, get used to seeing the playlist coming your way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no problem. Yeah, and uh, say hi to your dad. I know we you know come back and what what do you guys do after? Uh, you know, of course, when you tour with your dad, like a couple, couple months, and how do you, how do you do it? Do you get out of a torn mode? How how does that happen? You mean after we get back home? Yeah, to relax. Two? Yeah. Um, last summer we we did a a family, like nineteen of my family members went on a cruise. We did a two month tour in Europe last summer, and then after the tour, um, yeah, we got way out of tour mode. We went on a family cruise. Uh, um so let's see 
what's, what would be the politically correct way to say this? I don't know. Uh, I don't know what you're going to say. Well, no. Uh, okay, when you're on the road, right. let's just say you pick up road tendencies. Oh, I got you. Okay. Um, but when you're with your mom and your grandma and your, you know, you know, baby sisters and nieces and cousins and stuff, you, you, you have to change. Right. You know, you have to adapt. And and and. So is it getting any easier for you? Oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, once you know, I remember once we were watching a football game. I went home. No, my parents, my mom and my pop, my brothers and sisters came to North Carolina see me and it was during football season and it was a Tampa Bay game as a matter of fact and I jumped up and I cursed <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and although I'm you know I I'm a grown man and you know do my own thing but still that's your mom like right. you know it, it's always the, the mom thing and you know she just kind of looked at me I, I felt like a little boy again you know so that that's probably the biggest and sleeping oh okay that and sleeping Catching probably up, right? the biggest yeah you know the biggest way you have to you know check like the first day, I probably sleep you know, fifteen hours. You know. So, so just make sure you leave the uh, the cursing at the door when you go to Paisley Park this summer, right? There you go. Yeah, yeah. I heard he finds you. Yeah, there's like a cuss jar or something like yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but it's kind of easy not to out there because it's it's. I mean, nobody. It's not a it's not a typical kind of gig. Right. Know? Right. You know, there's no smoking or drinking or, you know. You know, it's not like a smoky, foggy, little sweaty, you know, gig, you know, somewhere, you know. So you can kind of tell that you're not in a normal, that you kind of got to have your, uh, you know, your, your mom-like behavior. <laughs> <laughs> in in full mode, right? There you yeah. go. Yeah. But, yeah, thanks, Corey. And, and I know a lot of people are going to be checking out the uh, replay on the separate Internet broadcast. Uh, if, if you'd listen in just a few minutes ago and... Hit me up with an email at eastwestdj at aol.com, and we'll let you know the link to listen to the uh, Corey Parker Weekend. And uh, Subliminal Souls, definitely pick that one up at coreyparker.net. And, uh, hey, I'm telling you, hope the band can come down, your own band, and play live here, and uh, we make that happen for you. Yeah, I hope so, yeah. too. We'll definitely be in touch about that, Joe. So, let's see. I'm going to go out with a couple tracks. Yes, we are going to go with I Want to Know. And then uh, we'll seg into uh, Funkasm. So Funkasm, um, you're working with uh, the guys who work in the Maceo Parker band, a couple of them, right? Yeah, same two. Uh, um, Skeet, the bass player, Rodney Skeet, Curtis, and Bruno Spate, uh, bass and guitar. The um, I'm playing everything else on that, the, the keys and the clarinet and that stuff. Uh, I would have, once again, in a perfect world and a bigger budget, <laughs> I would have liked to have used... Um, you know, full band and, uh, you know, a drummer and everybody on every song. But um, if you're going to do, if you're going to use, like, drum machines or anything, it's, you can get away with that more so, I think, than trying to, like, uh, use a a synthesizer or something to to simulate, like, a guitar sound or something. Mm -hmm. Um, You just can't simulate funk guitar, like, Funky chanks, right? Just, yeah, you know, it, you know, just no substitution for the real thing. So, well, well, that's that's all gonna be for the second album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, well, no, I, I did that on this album too, on, on the songs where you hear guitar, right? With Bruno it's, it's, on yeah, there, yeah, it's real guitar, right? Um, some things you just you just can't, you know, 
I mean, you can or you can try, and they do have stuff that sounds kind of like guitar, but, you know, there's no, uh, for me, there's no substitute for the real thing. And Bruno's got that unique style exactly. playing, playing up the board like that, right? Yeah. yeah. And after hearing that over the past, you know, every night almost for the past you know, six or seven years, uh, how could I not ask him? Right, know? right. Hey, how how sweet. I didn't see him the last gig. Yeah, we, um, oh, wait, wait a minute. He wasn't there the last gig? No, not not in New Haven. No, he wasn't there. He Oh, he's fine. He just went back, I think his plane ticket or something. He he lives in Holland now. Okay. Which is, um, has been kind of, uh, uh, they've been, they've been going through some, uh, tasks getting him over and back. Oh, okay. um, I got you. Because he just kind of moved. He used to live in Nashville, Tennessee, you know, mm-hmm. which was a lot easier. So now it's, it's, it's a lot of fun for my father's manager to figure out, you know, when he's got to leave and where he's got to fly into and out of and all that stuff. So I think his plane ticket was just for that day or the day earlier or something um, because he has to fly, you know, out of bigger cities. Or so, Yeah, we were we were somewhere bigger before, the night before or something. All right. Boston or somewhere. And uh, I think it was easier for him to fly out of Boston and go back to Holland or something, something like that. But he'll, he'll definitely be back. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Oh, he's in the band. Yes, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Okay, Corey. Hey, man. Thanks so much. And Appreciate everything, man. This was fun. we we got to do this again sometime. Yeah. And uh, hopefully in person. So that would be really, really nice. Yeah, cool. So here's I Want to Know and Funkgasm, Mr. Corey Parker from Subliminal Souls.